This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. And look, I think if you're a Jet fan, I know it's just preseason. I understand Aaron Rodgers did not play in this game today. But I think if you're a Jet fan, you have to be really, really encouraged by a lot of what you saw today. All right. First off, I'm going to start with the defensive line. Jermaine Johnson, I don't know what this guy did in the offseason. He looks like a completely different football player. You heard the reports at training camp that he's been dominating. He changed his number from 52 to 11. So maybe that's all it took. I don't know. He looks phenomenal, man. And can we talk about the fact that the Jets D-line, a D-line that had five sacks today, a D-line that made life absolutely miserable for Bryce Young making his debut as the first pick in the draft for Carolina. The Jets D-line did not have their starters out there. Now, I think Jermaine Johnson's playing himself in a, a starting role on this team. You know, forget the defensive rotation for the Jets. That guy's got to be on the field more. But Will McDonald, he's making plays. Bryce Huff is making plays. Quentin Jefferson with a sack, he's making plays. I mean, how about the speed of McDonald to get that first sack? I mean, he's a force. And I want to bring this up. The Jets did not play Quentin Williams, Carl Lawson, John Franklin Myers. And they absolutely destroyed the Panthers' starting offensive line. I I mean, imagine what the Jets' defensive line could do if Aaron Rodgers is Aaron Rodgers, and spoiler alert, he will be. As long as he's healthy, that guy is going to be damn good at football because that's who he is. That's what he always is, and that's what he's going to be with the Jets, period. What will the Jets be capable of doing if Aaron Rodgers can give them a one-score lead late and they could just tee off knowing that other team has to throw or if they're up two scores? I mean, last year, the Jets played from behind all the time. All the time. They were inept on offense, 29th in scoring. If they had an average quarterback last year, hell, if Mike White didn't suffer the fractured ribs against the Bills, I'm convinced the Jets could have been a playoff team last year. They nearly were despite all that. But, man, this D-line is so freaking talented. You know, the Jets don't look at it like they have starters and backups. You heard Connor Rogers talk about this when we had him on the show earlier tonight. He joined us. He does pre and post for SNY covering the Jets. That will be up on the podcast. In fact, that's up on the podcast for the show. If you want to listen back to that interview, he made the point the Jets look at it like they have their first team unit, and then they have their next unit. And they just rotate guys. They don't look at it as first team or second team. They look at it as just the next wave of rushers. And he's right. This D-line was unbelievable today. That's where we start with the Jets. And then let's talk about Zach Wilson for a moment. I think we glorified that throw he made to Malik Taylor last week in the Hall of Fame game. I mean, once again, I said this earlier in the show, if you're just tuning in, it was like the Zach Wilson throw to Malik Taylor last week, the way Hard Knocks covered it was if it was the Super Bowl and it was Eli Manning throwing to Mario Manningham to help the Giants win that game. It was a nice play by Zach, but we got to calm down a little bit. He played three series. You know, the Jets had, what, two field goals, and they came off turnovers. Today, Zach Wilson, I thought, was much better. He didn't do anything crazy. In fact, he didn't throw a ball that traveled more than 10 air yards, but he was 14 of 20 for 123 yards. He was accurate, and he did something he couldn't do last year. He made the easy throws look actually easy. 
He hit screen passes. He hit checkdowns. He didn't have the yips on those gimme throws. It was an encouraging day if you're a Zach Wilson truther or you just want to see Zach Wilson develop into maybe a competent backup if, God forbid, Aaron Rodgers stubs his toe and has to miss a game. I mean, that's the reality for Zach Wilson. I don't want to entertain Zach Wilson as the quarterback in 2025. I could give a flying you-know-what about who the Jet quarterback is in 2025. It is about this year and next year with Aaron Rodgers at quarterback. And this team is built to have a chance to win it all. And we have not been able to say that about the Jets in 13 years. I was encouraged today by a lot of different things. I mentioned the D-line. I mentioned Zach Wilson. How about Makai Becton? Makai Becton took a big step forward today. He played more snaps today than the Jets thought he was going to play. And I thought this was a real honest answer from the head coach after the game today. This was Robert Sala talking about the performance of Makai Becton. Proud of him. He, he fought through. Obviously got in a lot of reps. Actually played a heck of a lot more than we were planning. He wanted to go more, which is promising. So I am proud of him. He took a really, really big step today. I really don't care what the film looks like. We'll see it. We'll correct it, all that stuff. But for him just to build that confidence with the knee, like I've said, that's important. And I f- it feels like he took that right step today. That's a big time step for Makai Becton. Now he's got to get through another week of practice. How does his body feel after playing that many snaps? It's a big step forward for Makai, who last week in the Hall of Fame game was supposed to play 20 snaps, and he came out after just seven because he wasn't comfortable on his knee yet. It's a guy who hasn't played football in two years. I'm willing to be patient with Makai Becton. This is a big week for him. Can the Jets give him a chance to get some starting reps with the ones? Joint practices, Tampa Bay coming to town. Can we see Makai Becton build on this performance? And speaking on building on a performance, the Jets got a good one at Joe Tippman. I don't know if he'll start week one at center for this team, but he's fast He's fast approaching. Joe Tippman's improving. He was good last week. He was good again today. He's going to play a role in this team. I was encouraged by what we saw there. And then... How about the running backs on this football team? Michael Carter looked the best he's looked since his rookie year. He was elusive. He made guys miss. He averaged 4.8 yards per carry. He had two catches for 34 yards. Today was a good day to be a Jet running back. Today was a bad day if your name is Dalvin Cook and you think you have leverage on the Jets. That leverage is disappearing. Izzy Abanaconda, another great game. 26 yards, 18 of which came after he was able to spin off a guy. I love Brees Hall. The Jets should not rush him back. If he can't play week one, which, who knows, he hasn't practiced yet, they swear he'll be ready, take it easy with Brees Hall. See, the Jets now have Aaron Rodgers. You don't need Brees Hall for week one. You need Brees Hall for the home stretch to be healthy playing at his best. You need Brees Hall for January, or dare I say, Jet fans, imagine this concept. February football. Izzy, Carter, Pam Knight, they got more talent in that running back room than maybe some people realize. I was encouraged about that for sure. And how about this? Before we get to your calls coming up, and Jet fans, let's let's hear from you, 800-919-3776. How nice is it to have a punter that doesn't stink, to have a kicker who you trust, Thomas Morstead, 
is the greatest upgrade the Jets made this offseason. You could argue he's a bigger upgrade going from Braden Mann to Thomas Morstead than Zach Wilson to Aaron Rodgers. That's the kind of upgrade the Jets punter represents. He's awesome. And Greg DeLay, Greg Zerline, Legatron, he hasn't missed. He's been great. He was great last year, too. I was at the game at MetLife last year against the Bears, the Mike White game. In the rain, this dude hits a 57-yard kick in a torrential monsoon right before Darrell Rivas comes out to give a speech as the Jets put his name in the ring of honor. Greg Zerline was good last year. He's been great so far. The Jets lost games last year because of their punter. That's a fact. The Lions game, the Patriots game, thank God they fixed that this offseason. It wasn't just quarterback they had to fix. They had to get a punter. So I want to give a shout-out to Thomas Morstead, probably the most a punter has ever been talked about in a positive way on New York radio in a long time. 800-919-3776. So those are my big takeaways from this game. I think there's a there's a lot to be encouraged about. And I hope Zach Wilson now could take a big step going into the Bucks game next week, then the Giants game after that. I do not need to see Aaron Rodgers play a single snap in the preseason. Even if he's just out there to hand off the ball, I'd get nervous. No, thank you. No, thank you. But today, I think it was a good day if you're a Jet fan. I thought there were a lot of encouraging signs that this team has what it takes to be a legitimate Super Bowl contender. And it starts really with that defensive front, man. Jermaine Johnson, how good is this guy? Wow. Unbelievable. You're listening to The Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. The streak continues, by the way, for the Baltimore Ravens. They beat the Eagles tonight in the preseason 20-19. to They've won 24 consecutive preseason games dating back to 2015. I hope some of you knew this stat like I did and bet on the Ravens' money line tonight because it is seemingly one of the safest bets you could make in all of sports. That is such a random but unbelievable stat. It really is. Let's get back to your calls right now. This guy's been patiently waiting on hold. He's first up. Sonny on Long Island wants in on the Jets. Sonny, thanks for holding. You're on the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. What do you got? Hey, Jake. How are you, man? Great to great to hear you on the radio here in New York. This is really awesome. Should be a, a permanent thing. Uh, I'm usually used to getting an hour with you on YouTube and having you do a whole show like this for four hours. It's extremely enjoyable to listen to. Um, but er- earlier the preseason game with the Jets, I mean, man, I, I, I know it's just preseason, but I was really excited the way the de- defensive line played and all of our running backs and even Zach, you know, look, looked pretty good. He, he had a nice day out there. Uh, I'm just really excited for the season. Sonny, thank you for the call, and I really appreciate the kind words. Thanks for holding as well. Zach did look good, and I am really excited for the season, right? There there were a lot of positive things today. Like, I'm trying to think what was a negative. Honestly, I don't know if there were a ton of things I could think of off the top of my head that were quote-unquote negatives. I, I mean, I'm even watching the one sack that people said, oh, Becton gave up that one sack, but other than that, he looked really good. I think that was on the guard. I think that was on the left guard, not Becton. I think Becton was just trying to help the guard and tried to move over late, but that guy was supposed to be picked up by the guard or got beat. Really, th- today was a good day to be a Jet fan. We don't get many of those. We've had a lot more lately, though. 
His number eight's that quarterback now. But today was a very good day. That D-line is nasty, man. And also, the icing on the cake, for those who missed it, if you watch the game locally in New York, I know the game was nationally televised on NFL Network. When they interviewed Garrett Wilson on the sideline, you might be noticing the fact he was wearing a Jets bucket hat and sunglasses, and he didn't have his pads on, but he was wearing the jersey. Sean Payton earlier in the week announced to his team that his rules for the preseason in Denver, no bucket hats, you can't take your jersey and pads off, and no sunglasses on the sideline, and you cannot do interviews in-game. And Garrett Wilson went out of his way to break all four of Sean Payton's rules to basically say F you to Sean Payton. I cannot wait for week five, Jets at Denver. All of a sudden, that game has got real juice. And oh, by the way, I don't know if anyone watched Russell Wilson last night in the preseason. He looked bad until the third stringers had to come in. And Russell Wilson in the starting offense was playing late into the second quarter because they couldn't move the ball. They finally scored a touchdown late. They looked awful. Maybe we find out Nathaniel Hackett's not as bad as a coach as everyone says he is. I'm not saying he was good. He wasn't. But if Russell Wilson is just shot, what does that tell you? Let's keep your calls rolling right now. Let's go to our guy, Al in Poughkeepsie. Al, you're next up. You're on with Jake Asman here on 98.7 ESPN. What do you got? Jakey, man, I just want to talk about the one man who's behind all of this, and that is Joe Douglas. This guy, what he put together, just bouncing off everything you said, watching Jermaine, just a man among boys, just bullying the second team. You almost felt bad for those guys. He was just pushing them around. Those were the starters, though. Uh, Al, that's the thing. Jermaine might be on the Jets' quote-unquote second-team defensive line. The the Panthers started their offensive line that's going to be protecting Bryce Young when the games count, and Jermaine dominated them. It's it's You're so right. It's ridiculous because that's our second unit in there just destroying. It just shows you what – like, look at the players who didn't even dress today. Tony Adams, an undrafted safety. Michael Carter II was drafted in the fourth round. John Franklin Myers that he picked up off waivers. These are guys that are starters that are on not even dressing because they're that talented. Joe Douglas deserves so much credit with what he's put through getting guys that have the mental just good look at Garrett Wills. Even if I can't I just Brees Hall hasn't even touched the field yet. Jermaine Johnson Will McDonald, how he his energy, what he brings. What about the Izzy spin? The, 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 the Izzy spin was ridiculous. <laughs> I am just so hyped up for this year, man. And Joe Douglas, that's all I'm going to say. We got to give this man some love. And Michael Carter, super slippery. <laughs> Al, thank you for the call. I love I love the energy. I love the passion. I'm with you. Look, I, I have said this about Joe Douglas. He's not perfect, right? He's not. No GM is. But he's the best general manager the Jets have had in a very long time. All right. Even with the Zach Wilson pick, even with his first draft of Beckton and Denzel Mims and Ashton Davis, Joe Douglas has done such a good job transforming this team. And he gets credit because he hired Salah, who then hired Hackett, who obviously helped Aaron Rodgers come here. It has all culminated with this roster being good enough to legitimately compete for a championship. He's done a he's done a great job. Right. We know about the draft last year, which is the best maybe in Jets history already. He's done a great job. He has. He's not perfect, but I'll say this again. No GM is. I think Howie Roseman in Philly might be the best general manager in the NFL. This is the guy who drafted Carson Wentz, extended Carson Wentz. 
This is the guy who chose Jalen Rager over Justin Jefferson. GMs make mistakes, no matter how good you are. It's what you do to rectify those mistakes, right? Howie Roseman found Jalen Hurts. Joe Douglas got Aaron Rodgers. You know, the Jets obviously are hoping they could have a season this year like what the Eagles did last year with Hurts, get to a Super Bowl. And by the way, any jabroni who says it's Super Bowl or bust for the Jets, stop it. Stop moving the goalposts because you can't. You don't want to see the Jets actually have success. It's a lazy narrative. All right, I don't need to turn on ESPN and watch first take and see the garbage being put forth. It's Super Bowl or bust because a, a, a franchise that has not been in the game since before the moon landing, it would not be successful if Rodgers and Salah were there. If they got to Vegas and let's say they lost to the Eagles, it'd be a failed season if that happened. Give me a break. All right, this team hasn't made the playoffs in 13 years. I don't need to hear that Super Bowl or bust and nothing else matters. That's nonsense. Would I be disappointed if they lost in the Super Bowl? Hell yeah, I would. But I ain't going to sit here and, <laughs> and act like it's Super Bowl or bust, and that's the only possible scenario. Not when Rodgers already said he's coming back. Not when this team is built to have sustainable success. But get ready, Jeff fans, because I'm one of you. The goalposts are going to be moved throughout the year if this team's as good as I think they're capable of being. Let's go to Bill on Long Island. He's up next. Bill, you're on with Jake Asman here on 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for making the call. Hey, Jake, I love the show, man. I love the show. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate um, you. I want to talk, okay, I want to talk about the Jets. Um, I'm impressed by their defense. I think they're going to have a very good year. Um, Aaron Rodgers is going to lead them to the, to the uh, playoffs. And I think, uh, I think when they play the Bills, the Bills got a great defense. But I think Aaron Rodgers is going to put them apart. And I also think uh, I got a question for you. Who do you think is the better uh, running back, Chubb for the Browns or Barkley for the Giants? Hopefully the Cowboys can do the the Giants, and and I'm rooting for the Cowboys this year. Hopefully we can make the Super Bowl. Bill, I appreciate the call. I would probably take Nick Chubb because he's been more consistent than Saquon the last couple of years. I would probably say Nick Chubb to answer the running back question. And look, the, the you want to say if, if people want to say the Bills are still the favorites in the AFC is because they've been there. I'll listen to that argument. I happen to think the Buffalo Bills are slightly overrated. All right, Josh Allen's leading the NFL in turnovers. How much of that is Brian Dable now leading? There's something going wrong in Buffalo too. The the Stephon Diggs situation is very com- very confusing, and Leslie Frazier just leaving. I've heard some rumblings from people I trust that there's something going on in that Bills locker room. They're not they, they're not all good. Right, the way the way their season ended last year, getting their doors blown off at home by the Bengals, like maybe the Bills have hit their ceiling. You want to still say they're the favorites because they've been there, done that, fine. I point to the fact the Jets beat the Bills with Zach Wilson at quarterback last year, and if Mike White doesn't fracture five ribs, maybe they beat him in Buffalo. That was a game. Now the Bills, I respect them. They're a good team. Josh Allen's a great quarterback. The guys have won anything. You know, Bills fans anoint Josh Allen like he's Tom Brady. He's not. Can you win something? You know, Mark Sanchez has been to more AFC championship games than Josh Allen. would like to say that. So they're good, but the Bills don't scare me if I'm a Jets fan. I think the Jets are in the same ballpark. I think the Jets are just as good as Buffalo. I think the Jets are just as good, if not better, than Miami. And the Jets need to slaughter the New England Patriots in week three. There is no amount of points they could score that day that will satisfy my fellow Jets fans. Period. There needs to be blood on the field by the time the Jets are done with New England in week three. Don't even get me started on that. I despise the New England Patriots with every fiber of my body. 
I want to make that very clear. You're listening to The Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. We do have a uh, a conclusion to the Rich Samini, Sauce Gardner, and Garrett Wilson Twitter. I can't call it beef because it's not really beef, but Twitter jokes. So earlier during the Jets game today, Rich Samini, who obviously covers the Jets for the station and for ESPN, he tweeted, Michael Carter looks good, nice and slippery. And Garrett Wilson responded to that tweet. I thought so too, Rich. Obviously making fun of the nice and slippery verbiage for Michael Carter. Sauce Gardner responded, Rich, he looks nice and what? Question mark with a laughing emoji to which Rich Simini finally responded. Ha, slippery equals elusive. So I wonder if Michael Carter has ever been called nice and slippery before by anyone. Well, he now has by Jets beat reporter. 800-919-3776. Let's get to more of your calls before we wrap up at midnight. Let's go to, how about this? We're going to Houston. We're going to Norman. Norman, you're up next. You're on 98.7 ESPN. What do you got, Norman? Jake, what is going on, man, all the way down here in Houston, brother? I tell you what, I have to say this uh, out loud. It's the first time I've ever said this because I was mad. I was one of those guys, Jets fans, super Jets fan, that was mad at the draft uh, drafting of Will McDonald. However, dot, 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 seeing him today and what this guy possibly has to do for us in the future and what he will do for us in the future, it is literally scary. I thought he was going, I mean, not like lights out, but by midseason, this guy will be amazing. But here's my question for you, Jake. Is there one Jet, or excuse me, a former Jet that's still active in the NFL that you'd like to see come back and be on his team? Just one, and I'll hang up and listen. Thank you for the call, Norman. You're right about what McDonald, man. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and say I was, like, anti the pick. I wanted them to go offensive lineman. I was willing to give Joe Douglas the benefit of the doubt after he did this thing called have the best draft in the history of the franchise a year ago. But we didn't know who Will McDonald was. How many Jet fans are watching Iowa State football? Let's be honest. Probably not many. So, Will McDonald, incredibly impressive. Now, if I could add one former Jet to this team that's still active, who would I add? I mean, I got to think about that. I mean, I uh, people might say, oh, Jamal Adams, they're weak at safety. I don't want Jamal on this team. He's a locker room malcontent. No, thank you. I'm trying to think. I, I mean, Demario Davis, linebacker on the Saints, he's an all-pro linebacker. He was a former Jet. He'd help this team. That's my initial answer. Honestly, Jason Pinnock, who's now the starting safety for the Giants, he would help this team. I'm sure there's an obvious name I'm not thinking of. Active former Jet who I'd want added to this team? It's a good question. I'll think about that. If someone wants to tweet me their answer, I'll read some of the best responses over the air. At Jake Asman, A-S-M-A-N, is where you can follow me on Twitter. Let's get back to your calls. Let's go to Craig. He's in Lansing. Craig, you're up next. You're on with Jake Asman here on 98.7 ESPN. Hey, hey, man. Uh, Thanks for uh, getting me on. Dude, I've been looking at this jet schedule and you know i like a lot of other people looked at the beginning four or five six games and i see the chiefs and eagles and dallas so i see all these tough teams um but then i look at the last seven weeks and you're looking at they got the jet you know they got the dolphins uh, at home uh late november uh then the falcons and the texans both at home 
Dolphins, again, this time they're on the road, but, you know, it's it's a December game, so it's not going to be 100 degrees down there. They should have decent conditions. Commanders at home, and then they finish off with the Browns and the Patriots. What I'm saying is the last seven weeks of that schedule allows for them to, even if things weren't going perfectly the rest of the year, they can really make up a lot in that last seven weeks because I feel like they have, you know, a really good at home schedule and they're not playing the toughest teams in the league at that point. I believe that the jets have a really good schedule that people need to look past that first, you know, tough six weeks. Frank, thank you for the call. You make some really good points. The first six weeks are tough, but I'll say this last year. Then we all say, Oh my God, the jets, their schedule. What are they going to do? Brady Quinn's on TV saying they're going to start 0 and nine. Their season's going to be over before the bye week. The Jets were six and three last year. They fell apart in the second half when games on the schedule that looked easy going into the year, Jacksonville, Detroit, Seattle, became really tough games. Those those three teams, two of them were playoff teams, and one of them nearly made the playoffs by winning out at the end of the regular season in Detroit. So you never know with schedules. It's all about when you play teams, right? You know, if Josh Allen you know, gets hurt the day before Jets-Bills, all of a sudden that's not as daunting of an opening game. So you never know. But on paper, you are right. After the bye week, after the Jets' first six games, where it's Buffalo, Dallas, New England, Kansas City, Denver, Philly, it does soften up. Giants, Chargers, Vegas, Atlanta, Houston. Yeah, you said it. I think an advantage the Jets have that no one's talking about, though, is the amount of games they play at MetLife Stadium this year. So the AFC, because the NFL has its Fakakta 17-game schedule that eventually will be 18 games, the AFC is the year, or this year, they get the extra home game. So the Jets automatically get one extra home game at MetLife Stadium. They also play the Giants. It's a road game for them, for, for the Jets. It's a Jet road game. The Giants are the home team. That's another game at MetLife. So that's 10 total games where you don't have to travel. Because that's really what it is, right? Yes, you want home field advantage, but it's also the travel. So 10 home games, 10 games at MetLife where you don't travel compared to eight true road games. And the other aspect of the Jets' schedule that should be brought up, they don't have to really travel far for most of the season. They go to Dallas in week two. They go to Denver in week five. After that, when do the New York Jets leave the Eastern time zone? Not till week 10, which is in November, against the Las Vegas Raiders. So from October 8th until November 15th, and the Raiders are going to stink, by the way. I'll throw that out there. Anyone going to that game? I'll be there in Vegas. Look forward to meeting you. The Raiders, yes, it's a travel it's a long trip, but they're not any good. So that game doesn't scare me. And then that's it. They don't leave the Eastern time zone the rest of the season after that. Think about that. That's a big deal. So not only do you have 10 games at MetLife Stadium where you don't travel, after November 12th, you don't leave the Eastern time zone the rest of the season. You play in Cleveland. You play in New England. You play in Miami. You play in Buffalo. You're not leaving the time zone. That's a big deal from a jet schedule standpoint. If they could survive the early portion of the year, Let's say they could go three and three or four and two. They're in a great spot.
they are in a great spot. Even if they go two and four, while I would be unhappy, I don't think they're dead because of the fact the schedule, as our last caller brought up, does in fact open up for them. But I want to win every game, man. And I'll tell you what, I don't care what has to happen. They better win week three against New England. All right. They better destroy the New England Patriots at MetLife Stadium on Sunday, September 24th. That is a must win. Have to. You're listening to The Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN. Working on a couple guests right now. Herm Edwards is locked in. We'll talk to the former Jets head coach and current ESPN NFL analyst at 7.30 tomorrow night. But a couple big other, a couple big names I'm still working on to confirm as well. So we should have some fun for four hours talking sports with you from 6 to 10 tomorrow. 800-919-ESPN is the number. As we wrap up here, we'll finish with some of your calls. Let's go to Robbie D in New Jersey. Robbie, you're on with Jake Asman. It's 98.7 ESPN. Thanks for making the call. What do you got? Hey, how's it going? Uh, I just wanted to talk a little bit about the Giants' expectations this year. I've, ha- I've had multiple coworkers saying, oh, like, what's your expectations this year? And I'm, I am I can't answer it. I mean, I want to say, like, better than last year, but I, I think it's just going to be the same, if not worse. Like, their schedule's harder, and, like, we gave Daniel Jones the big boy money now, but a lot of that is based on Saquon's success. Like, I, I think he's the best running back in the league when healthy, but it's, it's just hard for me to say the, their expectations. Like, uh, what, like 10, 11 wins, we think? Yeah, uh, Robbie, thanks for the call. You know, I talked about this a little earlier. I'm sure you heard. Like, that's kind of the big question with the Giants. Daniel Jones is now paid like he's a top 10 quarterback at the sport. I don't think he is a top 10 quarterback. How close to the top 10 is he, though? Like, if Daniel Jones replicates the same year he had last year, the Giants aren't going to be as good because you said it. They won a lot of close one-score games last year. They obviously were able to get an incredible season from Saquon. I don't know if you could bank on that again. He's had injury issues. You know, a lot went right for the Giants last year. So Daniel Jones has to be better than he was last year because now he is making $40 million, as you said. That's the hard part with the Giants. It's a lot of unknown. If Daniel Jones is a top 10 quarterback, like he's paid like one, they could be better than they were last year. They could win more than nine games. They're well coached. I think that's what we know about the Giants. Brian Dayball is a really good coach. But I don't know what Andrew Jones is as a quarterback. Last year was the feel-good story. You overachieved. You know, if the Giants missed the playoffs this year, is it a failure, or do they maybe regress back to more of what this team is? Like, they're still rebuilding here. It's a fair question. Let's go to Rob. He's in Levittown on the island. What's up, Rob? Thanks for making the call. You're on with Jake Asman. Hey, Jake. Thanks for squeezing me in at the end here. And, uh, you know, I, I just wanted to comment on the uh, the Jets' schedule like uh, you and a couple of callers were talking about before the break. Um, I think that this this schedule really, really works in the Jets' favor. And, the you know, obviously those first six games uh, are going to be challenging against those teams. But from a rest and travel perspective, this schedule is going to be amazing for the Jets. I mean, you mentioned 10 of the 17 games are going to be in MetLife you know, including the uh, one technical road game against the Giants. But for the most part, realistically, between now and November 6th, the only two times that the Jets are leaving New Jersey is going to be to go to Dallas in week two and to uh, um, go to Denver in week five. 
So, you know, the Jets are always going to be the fresher team early on. And then late in the year, the only times that, you know, we have back-to-back road games are weeks 10 and 11 against uh, Buffalo and Las Vegas. And then the final two weeks of the year against Cleveland and New England. So, you know, a lot of people want to bring up the fact about our 39-year-old quarterback. I think one thing that could help that quarterback is not having short weeks and having a lot of home games. Rob, excellent call. And you make a great point. You make a great point. You know, I talked about, you know, the lack of leaving the time zone. How about just looking at the Jets from now, as you said, until that that Dallas game, right? That's the only time the Jets will now travel because they play Tampa Bay next week. That's a home game. They play the Giants the week after. That's at MetLife. It's preseason, kind of like a home game. Buffalo and then Dallas, like, from the Jets don't have to go on the road for another month, and they're only going to Dallas. Like, I'm in Houston right now. It's it's not that far. It's about a three hour plane ride. Not that bad. It's Central Time Zone. It's not like it's a west West Coast trip. Then how about the Denver game a couple of le- a weeks later, and then that's it. As you said, so that's an excellent point. Yeah, the schedule early on is difficult. The rest advantage the Jets have is huge. The fact they do get these games at home early is huge. Like, yes, Buffalo, damn good team. Not going to be an easy matchup. You're at home. New England, you haven't beaten them in a while. You better beat them. You're at home. Kansas City, week four, you're at home. Eagles, you're at home. Can they split with Kansas City and Philadelphia? You know, Can they go two and one in the Buffalo, Kansas City, Philly stretch? Even one and two, as long as they beat Dallas, Denver, and New England, I'd sign for a four and two start to the year for the Jets. I think every Jet fan would as well. Because we talked about it earlier in the show, the schedule does absolutely start to open up after the bye week. And that's where you want to be playing your best football anyway, down the stretch. Maybe Brees Hall coming off the ACL starts to resemble the Brees Hall of last year by then. And this is a team that will add at the trade deadline if they are truly the Super Bowl contender type team they could be. That's why Aaron Rodgers is taking a $35 million pay cut. He's not doing that for the Jets just to have more money to not spend it. It's calculated. And it's the right move. This is the Jake Asman Show on 98.7 ESPN.